everyone, and welcome back to Phonication, the podcast dedicated to abstinence-only sexual education. I am your virtuous host, Jack. Throughout the past few dozen episodes, I've noticed a certain trend with the content I'm putting out. Every episode seems to be incredibly sex positive. It's time to break the mold, go back to traditions, and be sex negative. Since this is brand new, uncharted territory for a heathen like myself, I decided to learn from the experts in abstinence. And fortunately for their vanity, they actually practice what they preach. (laughs) And I would like to share with all of you the lessons that I learned from them. Today, I am going to spread the word straight from the panda's mouth. Specifically, the giant panda. That's the big black and white one from China. If you're wondering why I'm specifying, there are more pandas. Well, there's one more panda. (laughs) The red panda. No relation to giant panda because the red panda is not a panda. It's just called a panda. It's more closely related to weasels, but back in the 1800s, no one had any idea what was related to what, and I'm not gonna, like, blame a guy for thinking that a weasel might be a panda when he hadn't even heard of DNA yet. Like, you can hardly expect him to understand phylogeny when no one in 2021 actually does yet, and today's evolutionary tree just has branches duct-taped onto it. So we're gonna be talking about real pandas, if there even is such a thing. Pandas, as you're probably aware, are endangered animals. Fortunately, due to insane conservation efforts, their numbers are increasing, and that is great. That is very, very great. Like, generally speaking, I am a fan of animals not going extinct. I am okay with and actually would even encourage a mosquito genocide since their extinction would have no noticeable impact on the ecosystems because they're not really filling any niche, except the infectious asshole niche, but mosquitoes are a notable outlier. For every other animal I can think of, including humans, I, th- I think I'm pretty anti-genocide and like anti-extinction. Oh, actually, you know what? Bed bugs. Bed bug genocides also get my blessing. Same reason. But panda extinction, I will say, is bad. But just because I'm against it doesn't mean that every single panda in the entire world doesn't deserve it. Because they do. It's what nature wants. It's objectively the best thing for them to not pass on their shitty, shitty genes. See, with most animals on the IUCN Red List, humans are, unfortunately, mostly to blame for the species being endangered or extinct. I've talked about it before, like especially at length in my manta ray episode, but whether it's pollution or territory destruction or hunting or just whatever, a lot of the things that are contributing to their extinction or their endangerment, most threats boil down to human interference. But not for pandas. Shocking, considering the region of the world that they're native to. Ancient and even modern China uses a lot of animal components in traditional Chinese medicine, which has contributed insanely to the black market trade for like rhinos and tigers. Pandas somehow never found their way into the recipe book for traditional Chinese medicine, despite being considered a rare, noble creature by Chinese royalty. They also weren't really hunted for sport in the same capacity that a lot of African mammals were. Like, I'm not saying it didn't happen, but not to the same extent, even remotely. And they were really only hunted for food when people were desperate. So if humans aren't completely to blame for once, who is? Easy. Pandas are. The way they evolved actually completely confuses me. I don't understand how any of the mutated genes that turned a bear into a panda bear happened because every single thing that makes them unique as a species is a fucking disadvantage. It honestly makes me like a little mad that the fucked up bears with the shitty genes were the only ones in this abstinent species to get laid and pass that shit on to just make their genes even shittier and shittier with each generation. So for example, okay, 
Let's look at a grizzly bear. Think of it. Majestic. In the river. Going to town on some salmon. It sounds very bear-like. Because, like, duh, he's a frickin' bear. But now imagine a panda bear hanging out in their natural habitat. And what do you see in your little head window? Do you see a panda catching some salmon from a stream? Are there salmon in China? I don't think so. What's the Chinese version of salmon? Okay, I just Googled it. There are not salmon in China, and that was really obvious. I don't know why I needed to check. But we're gonna go with carp. <laughs> Does your third eye see a panda devouring some carp? Ferocious teeth and glistening claws skewering its fresh kill. No, you don't. No one does because they don't do that. Pandas don't even eat meat. They're vegetarian. They're bears and they're fucking vegetarian. And I don't go around shitting on vegetarians, but I am going to shit on pandas specifically because they're vegetarian. Because there is a huge difference between a human going vegetarian and a fucking bear. Namely, that bears, all bears, including pandas, are carnivores. And despite evolving to have a vegetarian lifestyle, it still has the digestive system of a carnivore because it's a bear. And to make it even worse, they don't even have like a lot of variety in their diet or good nutrition at all. They eat bamboo and nothing else. They won't even sprinkle some fucking kale or some shit so they can actually get some nutrients into their diet. Just bamboo all the time. And not for some valid reason like unavailability. You could sit a panda down at a buffet and it'll ignore everything but the bamboo. And honestly, like, <sighs> speaking as somebody who's not a nutritionist and ate cocoa pebbles at 3 a.m. a couple nights ago, maybe last night, I feel like that can't be healthy. Imagine eating only celery forever. That would be so shitty. You need your energy. You need your protein. You need fiber and whatever else is on nutrition labels that I refuse to read. So if you decide to do a one-ingredient, celery-rich diet, the only thing you can do to not collapse and die is to eat a wheelbarrow worth of celery a day in hopes that you can add up a shit ton of the microscopic amounts of protein that can be found in celery from, like, I don't know, an actual protein-rich animal breathing on it or something. It's like the LaCroix of protein. Someone said the word protein while in the same room. But it's not so bad for you because, unlike a panda, you are a human. And humans are omnivores. So we have digestive tracts made for omnivores. When you shove plants in your body, it's got an enzyme to deal with that and get the most nutrients out of that turnip as possible. Because you are a human. Probably if you're listening to this. Now, when a panda shoves bamboo down its gullet, its carnivorous body, carnivorous body, thinks that this plant is trash, and so it puts all the trash in the dumpster. The panda's digestive system is just constantly throwing a temper tantrum, crying on the floor of her apartment that it doesn't matter how many times you send her expensive flowers when she's allergic to them, and she never liked flowers anyways. And the panda just keeps on sending more flowers and doesn't understand why she's upset again. She doesn't want the flowers, dude. Give that bitch some red meat. She's a carnivore. That digestive system does not have the enzymes to properly break down the bamboo, so it doesn't really get much protein or energy or anything at all from eating it. So their body is chucking out the majority that passes through as waste. And in order to make up for their body dumping most of the bamboo as waste, the panda just eats more bamboo, constantly. They have to eat up to 30 pounds of bamboo a day just to get enough microdoses of actual nutrition to sustain themselves which is a lot of fucking bamboo to pass through a fairly small bear. Too much bamboo, actually, so their body chucks out that trash 
40 times a day to make room for them to eat even more bamboo. A continuous cycle of eating and shitting and eating and shitting and practically nothing else. Pandas deliberately limit their energy output so they don't waste what little they do have. Which leads directly into the second reason pandas are to blame for their own population decline. Limiting energy output. Fuck yeah, that was an actually good segue for once. So let me continue back onto it. Limiting energy output means not doing shit. It means not traveling and meeting hot single bears in their area, which means no future baby bears. Pandas are endangered because pandas are abstinent. Honestly, pandas just fail at being an animal. <laughs> A huge portion of panda conservation efforts is just trying to convince pandas to have sex with each other. To be fair to them, they do seem to be a little bit more interested in sex when they're not in captivity, but not interested enough to keep their population from plummeting. But pandas in captivity have just no libido. Maybe it's because all these people watching, but zookeepers have tried desperately for decades to play wingman to these pandas who are clutching their pearls. Awesome wingmen who are feeding them Viagra. If you were a lucky enough panda to be part of that research group in China that didn't think about how Viagra doesn't make you horny, it just makes you hard. And yes, part of it is due to not wanting to exert energy, and part of it is due to human panda scientists initially not understanding the importance of their mating calls. And another part of that is pandas are unreasonably picky for someone with so few options. But the biggest part of it is because the female panda only ovulates for like 36 hours. It's a super stupid short window for the dudes to hear her calling out that she's available, head over, compete with each other, and then do the deed. 36 hours, not a lot of time. And if they miss that window, they have to wait a whole year to try again. And that's not fair. Who can perform under that kind of pressure? But let's say, by some absolute miracle, you actually manage to get a pair of pandas to like each other. As in, like-like each other. You get it. They're still not gonna fuck because these captive-raised pandas got abstinence-only sex ed in public school. And they just don't even know how to do it. Like, literally the logistics of it. <laughs> Zookeepers in China have actually tried showing the males panda porn as an instructional video. It is, <laughs> it's, it's embarrassing to live on the same planet as pandas. Like nobody tell the aliens about pandas when they visit Earth. They'll laugh at us, please don't do that. <laughs> and as a point of clarification, I'm not advocating for porn to be shown in sex ed in public schools, just more comprehensive sex ed, but we don't need to go all the way to just bringing up Pornhub. <laughs> So this is a species that's going extinct because they're stupid and refuse to reproduce. And the world is spending hundreds of millions every year to save them. It's bonkers. Like, I am glad that we are, and I think that we should, but I am surprised that we do. And delving into the even more abstract, let's say we have a panda couple who actually decides to hook up, and even more crazy, they know the mechanics of how to hook up. That's still not a great option, because panda males have really, really, really small penises compared to their body size. It's three centimeters long. That is a smidge past an inch in American. That is tiny! That is useless! <laughs> and I mean that literally, not condescendingly. I'm not gonna shit on them for having small penises, because, well, when pandas have sex, it's not a long process because they're super lazy, so no one involved is concerned with getting pleasure from the experience. I'm saying it's useless because it's so small, that it falls out. So ejaculation is useless if the penis is outside of the female. But if he manages to keep it in, they do this funny thing. Actually, I love it. I think, I think it's really cute. So they generally mate in the typical face down, ass up position. 
which is called the lordosis posture for any deviants listening who are curious. But after climax, the male will fall back into a sitting position while holding on to the female. So she falls back with him. And then they just kind of hang out for a while. She's sitting on his lap. He's still inside her, if it didn't fall out. And they just hang out. <laughs> I have no idea why they do that. It seems weirdly romantic for a bear. But I would guess that they're just tired from not eating anything with nutrients in it. But I'm going to tell you guys that I think it's because they like pillow talk and after-sex cuddles. But again, that's only in the rare instance that a pair of pandas break the purity promise and turn to a life of slutty debauchery. And for the most part, they don't do that. So they're endangered. The stupidest reason for a species to be endangered, but I guess somebody had to have the title. I will give you guys some silver lining though, because I don't want anybody listening to this episode and then screaming about how we should stop wasting money on conservation efforts for pandas or for any animal. So I will end my rage-filled episode on a positive note. The first positive is that all the money spent on panda conservation is actually working. Their population is growing, just not as fast as it would grow if they stopped self-sabotaging. The other positive thing is that all of this shit that people do to protect panda territories and cultivate crops to maintain their food supply and build their state-of-the-art habitats and create innovative technologies for artificial insemination, it accidentally benefits a shit ton of other, maybe more deserving animals. Pandas tend to live alongside other, less protected animals like golden snub-nosed monkeys or the crested ibis, whose populations are in a more precarious position than pandas. But since they're neighbors, they get to share the benefits of all the effort put into conserving pandas. And it actually accidentally benefits a bunch of humans too, if we decide to start caring about them, I guess. Protecting panda reserves requires a healthy, balanced ecosystem with lots of nutrient-rich plants and good quality water supply which accidentally leads to profits in the agriculture sector, fisheries, water supply, and the hydropower energy sector. And not in some vague butterfly wing creating a hurricane ripple effect. This is like a one-hop effect of conservation efforts. To give you an idea of how beneficial it is to protect pandas, in one year, an estimated 255 million US dollars were spent on protecting just pandas, which is a lot of money, yeah. But the return on that investment at the lowest estimate was $2.6 billion. And I guess a bunch of animals' lives, but who's counting that? And at the end of the day, pandas being really, really cute means that they're used as mascots, which convinces a bunch of people to donate money to animal conservation charities, which benefits a whole bunch of species, not just pandas. And speaking of conservation, I want to say thank you so, so much to my patrons who have donated. I will be sending and matching the amount to the David Sheldrick Wildlife Trust, which is an awesome program based in Kenya that rehabilitates orphan elephants and provides medical care to elephants of all ages. And by the way, the way that I pick the charities that I do donate to is based a lot on how they spend their money. So for example, I like this one and I picked it because 92% of its finances are spent on their elephant services directly. Fortunately, nonprofit charities are required by law to release their tax filings, so it's pretty easy to find out how much CEOs are paying themselves or things like the ASPCA spending 53% of their program expenses on advertising or that PETA spent 57% of its program expenses on public stunts to try and go viral and less than 1% on animal care, you know, things like that. So I picked a charity that would spend 92 cents for every dollar saving elephants, because I think that's better. And that is everything for today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it, and tune in next episode to learn about monster erotica books. I love you guys. Bye. <laughs>